Well, uh, my talk this morning, my message this morning that I believe God's given me is entitled, Do You Want to Know a Secret? Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was in the balcony of our big auditorium uh, probably about a year ago during a worship service. I think Tessa Chandra uh, was leading the service at the moment. And I was walking back and forth up in the balcony, as I often do if I'm not actually on stage, uh, praying in the Spirit and just, you know, talking to the Lord. And all of a sudden, I, I was kind of talking to him about the third great awakening and what's my role in this new season that God's calling us into. Amen, Michael? And as I was doing that, all of a sudden the Lord said to me, just as clear as could be, do you want to know a secret? Well, when the Lord says something like that to you, I mean, that kind of gets your attention, right? And I knew from the Word of God, Scripture is like Psalm 25, verse 14, that says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. Or Scripture is like Amos 3, 7, that says, For the Lord does nothing without revealing His secret to His servants, the prophets. Or Deuteronomy 29, 29, that says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, and those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the works of the Word of God, or in this case, the law. So the Lord said, are you ready? Yeah. And I'm like, I think so. He said, I want to take you to 2 Corinthians 13, 14. So this is going to be our text for today, our foundational scripture, and let's look at it together. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And I'm reading today out of the New King James Version because I don't do really well with the hithers and the thithers. <laughs> the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this text. I thank you for what you are doing at River Rock Church. I thank you that we are a part of something that is global, something that is bigger than any one of us, and that you have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light for such a time as this. Thank you for Pastor Rick and Joanne and the vision that you placed in their hearts so many years ago for this ministry, and Lord, that we are being gathered together to each find our place in this significant third great awakening. Thank you, Jesus for the word of God that is alive and powerful and working in us and working through us. Holy Spirit, we trust you today to show us what we need to see and help us hear what we need to hear. And we're going to be careful to give you all the glory. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, uh, it was like in an instant, I knew exactly what the Holy Ghost was saying when he took me to this verse. Have you ever had the Lord do that with you? You know, it's just like a suddenly that happens and, and you just know that you know. Well, um, last week, if you were here, you heard Pastor Rick say that the enemy's number one tactic to get us off and to steal from us is through what? Distraction. Distraction. I was like, oh, man. I, you know, I honestly didn't know what I was going to teach on this morning until the night before last. In the middle of the night, and this doesn't really happen to me that often, Carol, but it did happen that time. And uh, I woke up and had to use the restroom, and uh, I couldn't get back to sleep. And I just got, I'm laying there in bed, and all of a sudden I begin to just get this download of what the Lord had for us today. So I'm as excited to hear what I'm going to say as you are excited. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So distraction. But listen, have you ever considered that sometimes that distraction is happening through the church through lack of knowledge? 
Have you ever considered the possibility of religious distraction? So what's the distraction? Well, I believe one of them is that much of the church is still living in what I call covenant clash. Okay? Nowhere do we see it more obvious than in the area of worship. And the culture of worship that's been so immersed in old covenant patterns uh, often aren't even recognized by many in the body of Christ today. So sadly, many believers are working so hard for something they've already been given. Amen? And because of Jesus, we have what we're thinking we don't have, we just don't know it. I think somebody wrote a book one time called, You've Already Got It. But this lack of knowledge and even wrong teaching uh, impacts every area of our life, including worship. And as a result, our worship has a placement problem. We are entering into much of what I call covenant clash, and it's being modeled for us, and I believe it's actually even getting corrected as we awaken to the life and spirit within by the Holy Ghost. But let me give you some examples here of what I'm talking about. Number one, we've been taught to go through gates and courts to get into the presence of God. <laughs> Not realizing the presence of God got into us. Amen. Jesus' death and resurrection changed everything. Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit, and it happened in the second chapter of the book of Acts. But you say, hold on, Daniel. Psalm 100, I know my word. Psalm 100 verse 4 says that we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So what are you talking about, Daniel? I know, you're right. It's scriptural, but it's not for us. It's been fulfilled, and now we have something better. We have a new covenant established upon better promises, and you know what? As a result, there's a better way to worship. Amen. Hallelujah. In the old covenant, it was scriptural, that they would have to bring an animal sacrifice for their sin. Amen? But can I hear a thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to bring animal sacrifices in the back of our SUV today? I mean, just imagine with me what a mess it would be to shove that heifer in the back of your station wagon. I'm just saying, Mike. You know. And we don't have to kill it as the priests. As they would say in England, what a bloody mess. <laughs> or maybe that's a lot of bull. <laughs> but you know what? If we don't know that that old sacrifice has already been replaced with something new, then you know, we might mistake it for the pattern that we're supposed to be using today. And many times it looks like the real thing. Last week, Pastor Rick was talking about the tabernacle model of prayer. And how we did the early prayer, and we had to go through the gates and the courts and, you know, all of that, and, and finally come into the presence of God. Well, you know, I, honestly, I spent years there, and it was exhausting. And as a worship leader, by the time you finally got the whole church into the Holy of Holies, you just got pulled right back out with the announcements. I feel you. See, what, what are we doing, church? We're, we're spending all this spiritual energy trying to get something that we already have been given. Amen? 
And so we're being religiously distracted as a result. So now instead of coming before his presence with singing and entering gates and courts on my way to the Holy of Holies, you know what? Now I can sing and make melody in my heart to the Lord, and I can do it anywhere and at all times because I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, you're a good-looking temple. Man, you know what? This new, you guys, this new is so new that if we're taught incorrectly, we're often more comfortable with the old, and we develop patterns of toxic mixture that turn into what I call covenant clash as a result. I'm hearing somebody right now say, I want steps. <laughs> Look to Jesus. Amen. Keep looking to Jesus. Keep on looking to Jesus. But you know what? Sometimes we just, we're, we're, we're wanting those routines and those rituals that we become familiar with. Somebody said, you know, why do you do some of the stuff you do? Like, you know, for years, I would walk into a meeting and I'd see a leader uh, say to the congregation, uh, especially if they were sending out a missionary or someone like that, they would say, would you all extend your hands this way? Well, before I was spirit-filled, I would have associated that with somebody else. Like Hitler. And I, as a Baptist, I came in the back of a full gospel businessman meeting one time, and I saw the whole ballroom at the Hilton in Denver doing this. And I'm like, oh, God, my parents have gotten involved in a cult. I didn't know that this is actually one of the expressions of a Hebrew word for praise that says, I'm agreeing with what's being done. Whenever you lift your hands up like this, you are actually agreeing with the finished works of Jesus. We're not just lifting our hands to, you know, cool our armpits or, you know, right? There's actually expression and purpose in why we're doing what we're doing. But if we don't know, we just fall into a religious pattern and, okay, I guess that's what we're doing here. You look around and, you know, anybody grow up Catholic? But, you know, you knew all the times you were supposed to kneel, when you were supposed to, you know, when you were supposed to get back up and get back down and get back up. Well, you know what? We have the same thing that happens in charismatic circles. We just, we just don't know. So, guys, we don't have to worship through a veil anymore. Aren't you so thankful that the veil was torn from top to bottom? And the Bible says nothing will now separate us from the love of God. Amen? Do you know how many worship services I've led over the years? I've been doing this now. I was telling Jeremy the other day for almost 50 years. Unbelievable that I've been leading worship that long, but I'm so old, it's becoming new again. <laughs> Come on, Roger. Amen. But I, I've been a part of these services where we're begging God to show up. I actually used to do this, thinking it was the right thing to do. But, in, in, but church, I still hear it happening around the world today. We're being distracted from the real thing, and it's a religious distraction. So instead of spending time in this energy trying to get God to show up and move on our behalf and going through our working of gates and courts and the veils and steps, <laughs> 
what would happen if we start coming into the knowledge of the truth that he gave us an invitation to rest in his finished works and have communion with the Holy Spirit? What would happen if we started living from the presence instead of for it? I want to stir you up today, church. I want to help just create this picture on the inside of you that's going to get so big that it's going to come flowing out of your heart in rivers of living water. Praise God. Communion with the Holy Spirit. I want you to say that with me. Communion with the Holy Spirit. Let's say it again. This has always been God's heart for us as the church. And uh, instead, I personally believe that we put a lot of our time and energy into thinking that we're responsible for the Holy Ghost to show up. And as worship leaders especially, I mean, we, we feel like we've got to just choose the right songs and even put them in the right key. I think A-flat's God's favorite. <laughs> and his favorite chord, do you know what it is? Jesus. And when everything's just right, we're in that place, and now we're like, oh, I think God just showed up. Right? Well, what happened when a baby cries? Or when somebody sneezes? Or, you know, oh, there goes the Holy Ghost. It was all really good until right now. Oh, my goodness. Wow. We've been distracted trying to do something that's already been done. So I want to address this and what we can do about it personally and then how it will affect us together as a church. And this is what I'm really excited to share with you today. Uh, let's look at our text again, if we can. Put that up on the screen, guys. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. We're going to review this several times this morning. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So I want to talk first of, all, first of all about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely, this church has been founded on grace and faith teaching. And I believe we've got some of the best teaching available in the world today right here at River Rock Church through our pastor. What is grace? Well, the way I was taught it from my father, who was a Baptist minister, was an acrostic. And an acrostic is where the word uh, the letters of the word stand for something, in case you don't know what an acrostic is. But I was taught grace, G-R-A-C-E, stands for God's grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Have you ever heard that? It's God's riches at Christ's expense. Well, we, we also know that grace is not the same as mercy, is it? it it's similar, but it's not the same because grace gives us what we don't deserve while mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. I can thank God for grace every day, and you know what? I can thank God for mercy twice a day. <laughs> Ooh, thank God he's not giving me what I deserve. Amen? We are saved by grace, and that's why the gospel is such good news. Grace is favor. It's undeserved kindness. But it's so much more than that, even though that is amazing. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is literally the ability of God, the equipping of God to do for you what you could never do for yourself. 
You know, when God's equipped you to do something, when he's graced you to do something, you would never be able to do that in the natural realm. But his ability in you is enabling you to be able to do that. So it's God's enabling power in your life. The grace of God will literally release the power of God in your life. It's the grace of God that effectively works change in us. And the word grace, most of you already know this, is the word in the Greek, what? Charis. Oh, somebody ought to start a Bible college. <laughs> right, Scott? Amen? The charis of the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says, I want this to be our starting place. The charis, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. All right? So what does that mean? Loving kindness, favor, divine influence, enabling power be with you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, let's let this be our foundation. So I want to share some scriptures with you here real quick. If you're taking notes, just write these down. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 17. And you're, you're probably going to know every one of these, but I'm just going to stir you up today in the way of remembrance. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Okay? Uh, John 1, 16. And of his fullness we have all received say i've received. I've received amen see you can't receive what hasn't been given so the grace of god he says of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace hallelujah so god's grace the grace of the lord jesus christ has now become my grace it's now become your grace we've been graced we've been given uh, divine enablement that doesn't happen from the carnal or from the natural. Amen? Uh, another verse here, 1 Corinthians 1.4. I thank my God always concerning you that the grace of God which was given to you by the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can see again, grace isn't something you earn, but grace has been given. Amen? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, one of Pastor Rick's favorite scriptures. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, there it is again, not of works, lest anyone should boast, or we could say glory in himself. Now look at verse 10. I love this, and I remember when I first heard Rick Renner teach on this, uh, I got pretty excited, and I hope you will too, but it says in verse 10, we are his workmanship. Everybody say, I am his workmanship. Well, what does that mean? Well, let me tell you what that means. The Greek word is poinema, which means to make a poem or to design a, a design produced by the master designer. In other words, you are God's work of art. You say, well, he kind of failed with me. <laughs> no, he didn't. Amen? You've been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So poinema means that we are, uh, we've, been, we've been individually and personally designed by the master designer to do what God's called us to do. Isn't that good? So we are, we are so different from one another, and yet we've all been given this grace to do what God has called us to do. You know, Andrew Walmack often says, you know, when I'm excited, I have to tell you I'm excited because I'm always the way that I am. Well, thank God that's not me. 
I love Andrew, and I love what he's doing, and I love being a part of it, but thank God that, you know, we can all have different personalities. We can all have different perspectives, but we've all been given the grace of God by the master designer to be who we are. I don't have to apologize for being expressive. It's, it's taken me years to get here. You know, I was always like, Daniel, you're just too much. Just tone it down. Just, you know, right? Well, what if everybody was the same? Wow. We've been designed by the master designer as a work of art. This is so amazing and so all-encompassing that it should always cause us to be thankful. And yet one of our distractions is that we compare ourselves among ourselves, which we know is not wise, but it distracts us from being the very place of the presence of God. We're always looking out here for something and comparing ourselves to that. So now I want to go to the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus, his enabling power, his divine influence. But he says, I want the love of God to be your foundation. Amen. And for years, guys, I spent so much time helping people to learn how to love God, not realizing that once we know how loved we are by God, everything falls into place. Amen. So let's look at our text again. Second Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. The love of God. Whoa, that's what I'm saying. I think Zion just got the revelation. Hallelujah, buddy. When we're talking about the love of God, you know, in our culture today, we often hear things like, well, especially among the uh, gay community, love is love. Well, in a sense, that's true, but not like they think it's true. Love is love. God is love. What kind of love are we talking about? We're talking about agape. We're not talking about sexual lust or carnality. We're talking about agape love. Amen? And what, what is, when we hear about the love of God, we automatically think we need to do something to qualify or to be worthy of his love. But this is not what the Bible teaches. <laughs> I'm so grateful. 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God is love. Amen? He doesn't just have love. God is love. And 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says, In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has already sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him, verse 10. In this is love, not that we loved God. There it is. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the satisfaction for our sins. Glory to God. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know there's not a thing you can do to get God to love you more or, or love you less? He loved you when you were just dead and lost in your sin and a total wreck. He loved you as much as he loves you now. Amen? Notice this is not us responding to him, but rather the love of God toward us. Listen, once you know that you're deeply loved by God, there is no problem loving him in response. This is how faith works. Faith works by not how lovely you are or how much you love, 
but knowing how loved you are by God. Faith is no longer a problem. Why? Because we know God loves us. See? So when Paul is saying that I want the love of God to be your foundation, this is so huge. And we have to not just listen to how much God loves us, but we have to believe it for us personally. As a preacher's kid, I knew from the time I can remember that, you know, scriptures like John 3.16, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son, etc. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. <laughs> to me, it was like such a simple foundation. And then I was probably in my mid-30s when I was in a service, a revival, a, a, you know, one of those Holy Ghost meetings, you know, where the Holy Ghost was actually allowed to be who he is. And... Uh, Man, I got slammed in the spirit. I was, pl- I was playing at a grand piano, leading worship, and all of a sudden I literally fell off the piano bench backwards onto the stage during worship. It was so embarrassing. And as I was out in the Holy Ghost, the Lord began to show me how much I was loved by God personally. I knew he loved the whole world. I just thought I was problem child number four, four million and 22. How many can identify with what I'm saying? We need to qualify. We need to get worthy. We need to pray more. We need to read the word more. We need to tithe more. We need to and we begin to fall into this pattern that really is based on our performance, but God loved us while we were still dead. <laughs> now, Jude 121 tells us to keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. But it's the verse before that tells you how. And that's verse 20. It says, Beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So this brings us to our third point of emphasis in our text, and that is the communion of the Holy Spirit. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Um, Let me ask you this. When you pray in tongues... Does it build your faith? That's kind of a trick question. What builds your faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you're born again, you've been given the same faith that raised Jesus from the dead in your spirit man. When you hear the word of God, that faith comes up into your soul and begins to renew you. But praying in tongues does not give you faith. What praying in tongues does is it edifies you upon your most holy faith. It begins to bring you out of the dysfunction of the world system, and you don't have to be put down by what's happening in our culture today, but God says you can always encourage yourself. You can always build yourself up by doing what? By yielding to the Spirit of God that's in you. This is part of learning how to commune with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah communion of the Holy Ghost. So this brings us to our text again. You ready? 2 Corinthians 13, 14. (laughs) The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So one of the things we can do now is build ourselves up or edify ourselves instead of allowing life to tear us down. And here's the thing, guys. You can edify yourself at any time or in any place by praying in tongues, or as we would call it, by praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit. Amen? This is part of the communion of the Holy Ghost. Now, what happens when we pray in tongues? And isn't it interesting, by the way, 
how the enemy has attacked this one area probably more than any other in the church today. I was a freshman in college. I, I don't have time to share this testimony with you today because I have other things I want to share. But uh, I was raised Baptist to the bone. And uh, for any of you who were there, you can identify with what I'm saying. And uh, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I didn't have the Word of God behind me. I didn't know what the Word of God said. I had an encounter. I had an experience. But I didn't have uh, knowledge like I should have had so that when I went back to my Baptist church and told all my friends, I thought they'd be thrilled. <laughs> they weren't so thrilled. They told me that what I had experienced was from the devil. And some of you have been taught wrongly the same thing. So I backslid. I did all the things I was taught not to do for about two and a half years out of my hurt, out of you know, uh, just rebellion, honestly, uh, because of my uh, dissatisfaction, my disappointment, my disillusionment, and eventually my disconnection. Can I just say that's a whole lot of dis? That was dysfunctional. And you know what? I started hanging out with the devil's crowd, and not one time, listen to me, not one time did I ever hear anybody praying in tongues. So if tongues really was from the devil, you begin to get a picture, don't you? Why is the enemy attacking this so much? Because he wants us to remain on the outside of the gates and the courts. He wants us to be out here striving for something that we've already been given. When in reality, God's saying, no, I want you to have communion with the Holy Ghost on a 24-7 basis. I want you to learn how to pray in the Holy Ghost. And as you do, watch what happens. This is so amazing. The Bible says that when we pray in the Holy Ghost, and I, I have scriptures here, but I don't want to go into them all but again because of time, but we give thanks well when we pray in the Holy Ghost. Okay? Have you ever struggled with giving thanksgiving in, a, in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a circumstance, in the midst of a battle? You know, God, I'm You know what? Man, just shift over into tongues. You know, if you, if you can't think of anything with your rational mind in that moment, because, you know, you're rational, you've lost your mind momentarily, begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, and the Bible says you give thanks well. You know what else you do? You pray mysteries. Woo, hallelujah. What are you praying? The Bible says you pray the perfect will of God. We were in a conference in Cincinnati a few months ago with Marcus Wick, Marcus Wick Ministries, and Lance Walno. Anybody heard of Lance? And uh, as we were there, Lance was teaching on praying in the Holy Ghost. And he said, um, the Lord was opening up these opportunities for him that were so outside the realm of what he was thinking and where he thought he was going to be going. He found himself in these political, uh, you know, charged environments. And he's like, God, why are you sending me here? Why are you doing this? And the Lord said, because you keep praying it in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Whoa, come on, somebody. Do, do you know what you're praying in the Holy Ghost? I'm telling you, you're praying mysteries. You're giving thanks well. You're praying the perfect will of, of God. And God is able to open up parameters for you that you would never have otherwise if you weren't doing this. And if the enemy could get us to stop, Herbert, and back off of the things of the Spirit like so many of the churches are doing today, 
Thank God River Rock is not one of them. Amen? The gifts of the Spirit, oh, we believe in them, but you know what? We want to be seeker-sensitive and not turn off all the unbelievers. Well, Scripture says it's actually the gifts of the Spirit that will cause the unbelievers to fall on their face and report that God is among you. See, I'm telling you, we've been distracted with religious distractions. So this word communion, let's look at this for a minute. It's the word koinonia in the Greek, which means to commune. That's a heavy revy. <laughs> communion means to commune. Now think about this. If you're communing, what does that mean? Are, are you doing all the talking? But are you, are you talking? Are you listening? So you're listening and you're talking and you're having what we would call conversation. You're communing. God says, this is what I've called you into. I've called you into conversation with God. That's conversation with the Holy Ghost. The very Spirit of God that's in you has something he wants to talk to you about. He speaks and you listen. And then you speak and he listens. The word to commune or to communicate is so intimate that you literally are sharing everything you have with each other. There's nothing I have that the Holy Ghost doesn't know. You ever listen to how people pray when they're informing God? God, I just want you to know we're really having a problem. Yeah. Right? You know, it's like we're informing God as to, you know, listen, you and God, there's no distance. There's no veils. There's no more steps. He knows everything about you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. And mine changed this this morning. So if you can see that you're spending your time and your spiritual energy trying to get the Holy Ghost to show up, you can see how we've been distracted from communion. We're still believing he's out here somewhere. Oh, God, would you open up the heavens and just come down? Now, if you were God, <laughs> you'd be like, uh, I'm inside of you, hello. I mean, think about how weird this is, and yet we've fallen into these patterns. Holy Spirit, come. He's already here. Amen. See, but if you don't recognize him, then you're going to be spending spiritual energy trying to get what you already have. Wow. And then if that's not distraction enough, we have these crazy ideas that the Holy Spirit is somehow a really fragile spirit. We've been so careful to not chase him away. And some of it happens, I've taught on this before, I believe even here at River, but some of it happens because when Jesus was baptized uh, in water baptism, it said the Spirit of God descended on him, what? Like a dove. So we, we somehow get this idea that the Holy Ghost is a bird. <laughs> the Holy Ghost is not a bird. Thank God. Amen? Uh, you're, it, Gwen, should I tell him the story? And Kay? You know, back in Tulsa in the 80s, we had a lady who used to stuff feathers up her sleeve. Right? 
and, and she would manifest these feathers when the Holy Ghost showed up. The Holy Ghost is here. Just worship him. And she'd pull these feathers. I'm not even kidding you. You can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's weirder than a $3 bill. My favorite expression out of that whole craziness was Dr. Ken Stewart, who said, I just want to know who shot the Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We get these weird ideas about the things of God, and, you know, we're just like, holy, 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 holy. <laughs> well, what happens during the week when you're at work? What happens when you're at home and, you're, and your two-year-old is crying and just pooped the diapers? You know, I mean, what happens with the ordinariness of life, right? Is the Holy Ghost less the Holy Ghost? Or does everything just have to be perfect in order for him to show up? Can you see how we've been distracted? Come on, church. I'm telling you, God is in us. And he wants to fill us up to overflowing to where the presence of God literally becomes tangible out here in the atmosphere. Man, last week, you guys, I'm, I'm just telling you, during communion, whoa. It was good. Oh, it was so good. I mean, the Spirit of God was just coming off of many of you. And as we were celebrating communion, I had to just stop watching some of you, because you were sparking me with the passion of God and with the Spirit of God in you was, was, was stirring me up. And, and listen, with the abiding presence in us, all we have to do is just begin to release it, manifest it through our mouths and through our lives, through our hands, laying hands on the sick and they shall... Amen. We're manifesting what's been given to us in the grace of God, founded upon the love of God. Hallelujah. But the truth is that the Holy Ghost is just as much God as the Father is, and just as much God as Jesus is. They are three in one. But you may ask, okay, so what happens when you feel the presence of God uh, in a meeting, for instance, compared to when you don't? It's a good question. Uh, there have been times when it felt like what I did caused God to show up because just a few minutes later, I wasn't feeling anything. And then, whew, God's here. I, I feel God. Okay, but just because you felt him, is that when he showed up? Or is that when you showed up? Whoa, come on now. Whoa. The Bible says, bless the Lord, oh my. And that is within me. What's in my soul? My will, my mind, and my... Whoa! You mean I can actually feel the presence of God? Yes. But you know what? We don't move by what we, we, we feel. We move by faith. And whether I feel him or don't feel him, he will never leave me or forsake me because my body is the temple of the... All right. Come on, somebody. In Acts chapter 2, what was outside moved inside. He showed up 2,000 years ago, you guys, and as, as, as promised, listen to me, promised to never leave us or forsake us. So 
This new covenant that we're living in is nothing like the old one because now we are the place of his presence. Let me just give a couple scriptures to you here. Colossians 1, 26 and 27 says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now, everybody say now, now. has been revealed to his saints, to them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you, not, ju not just Emmanuel, God with us, but now Christ in you, the hope of glory. Woo, hallelujah. Ephesians 3, 9, watch this. This is going to stir you up. To make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold or many-colored or custom-designed wisdom of God might be known by the church to who? To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Instead of being intimidated by demonic influence, we're the ones that are showing the principalities and the powers how it's to be done. We're the ones showing them the mystery of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God that's coming from the inside out. We may look ordinary from the outside, but oh, don't mistake it. We are the temples of the Holy Ghost, and we are supernatural from the inside out. Wowza! That's my version of hallelujah. His communion with the Holy Spirit affects every area of our life, spirit, soul, and body. So, guys, we don't live in, in, in just, you know, a body. Our bodies have become the temples of the Holy Ghost. We're, we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, we can't just do what we want to do. I mean, we can, but God says, I have something much, much better for you. I want you to be so filled with the presence of God and walking in communion with the Holy Ghost that you're listening to what God's saying. Have you ever gotten up in the morning and instead of giving God your 20 you know, things, saying, Holy Spirit, what's on your heart this morning? Whoa. Holy Ghost, what, what's on your heart? What, what do you want to talk about this morning? My prayer life was so boring back in the 80s when I was doing that tabernacle prayer thing. You know, we had to come through the gates and through the courts and we had to, you know, do all the, you know, get to the labor and confess and, you know, like Pastor Rick was talking about last week. I finally told God, I said, you know what, you and I can save each other a lot of time. I say the same thing every day anyway, so why don't I just record this on a cassette? <laughs> Bobby, it's true. I mean, I was bored with my prayer life. You know, the Lord said, could you not spend one hour? And I'm like, no, I can't. I'm falling asleep after 10 minutes, and then I wake up with drool coming out the side of my mouth, talking to my best friend. Yeah, whatever. Wow. That new nature that's been placed within you is where you house the Holy Ghost. In your spirit, man, you are wall to wall, Holy Ghost. 
And as my good friend Rick Renner says, the will of God is in the Holy Spirit. It is never apart from the Word of God. So John 14, 16 refers to the Holy Ghost as our helper. Tell your neighbor, you need a lot of help. <laughs> Amen. He's our helper. Isn't that awesome, you guys, that the Holy Ghost is not some fragile bird that, that flies away when there's a, a problem or a challenge in our lives. In fact, he says, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. He's our helper that will lead us and guide us into all truth. So the communion of the Holy Ghost would include him helping you and leading you into truth and even showing you things to come. What would that look like? <laughs> what would that look like if you would allow him to help you in the ordinary things of life? Just think about it for a minute. What, whatever you do as a career, whatever you do in your day-to-day, -day, what, what would that look like if we allowed the Holy Spirit to help us do what God's called us to do? Is this just about salvations and baptisms in the Holy Ghost and healing? Or could this be about everything in life? How I live with my spouse, how I parent my children, how I, how I, how I, over and over and over again. What if we allowed the Holy Ghost to help us? You know, when Tracy and I were first married, she came from a heathen background. Moral heathen, but heathen. And I came from a church background. And when we met up, she didn't have all that church experience that I did. So, you know, I was her college Bible study instructor <laughs> and Sunday school teacher, so I married one of my students. <laughs> and because she came from the background she came from, uh, we were in a situation one day, and she was in the kitchen, and she was trying to uh, cook something, and she's a wonderful cook, but she was just stuck on what to do. And I heard her say this, and I was about to call for an intervention. Because she said, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do here. Would you help me with this recipe? And I'm like, oh, God, that's weird. <laughs> Why would you ask the Holy Ghost to help you cook? He's not interested in, in helping you cook. I mean, he's about, you know, salvations and baptisms in the Holy Ghost and healing and not cooking. Let me tell you, I benefited from the Holy Ghost helping her cook. Yeah. I became a believer really quick. <laughs> and I realized that I had been limiting God to these big, quote, spiritual ideas instead of communing with the Holy Ghost in my day-to-day. -day. We were in Hawaii one year. We uh, had the privilege of going over there several times to do worship conferences. And this particular time, some of you have heard this story before, uh, it was our anniversary over this particular time slot that we were there. And... Uh, the pastor and his wife found out that it was our anniversary, and so they wanted to treat us to a special day, and they took us out, and uh, they had a big Ford LTD uh, back in the day, and, and so they picked us up. Well, as soon as I got in the, in the car, I heard this. You're going to be in a head-on collision. I, I, just as clear as could be. And I looked to my window. I was on the right side, and I said, I take authority over that in the name of Jesus, just real softly under my breath, Right? Well, I didn't know this until later, but Tracy heard the same thing and didn't say anything to me, but took authority over it. Oh, 
We go out to dinner, we have a lovely evening, it's pouring tropical rain as it does in Hawaii, oh my goodness. And we were on the big island of Hawaii going around this huge uh, curve, mountainous area, when all of a sudden this huge vehicle was in our lane coming at us very quickly. And the pastor driving the car said, oh my God, he's in our lane. And we, none of us had time to call the prayer chain. None of us had time to research and find out what scripture we could pull out of the promise box. All we had time to do was say, Jesus! And in that moment, that vehicle literally went through our car and went on the backside, staying in our same lane. And that vehicle was behind us. Now I'm telling you, that'll make a believer out of you. We got out and did a little happy praise dance in the pouring rain. Woo, hallelujah. Man, the communion of the Holy Ghost. What if we wouldn't have listened? What if God had been trying to tell us, but we had been too busy and too distracted to hear what God was wanting to tell us? It literally saved our lives. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God's faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Not only does this change how we live in our day-to-day, you guys, but here's what I want to get to this morning. Uh, how are we doing on time, Jeremy? You need to help me. We're good? Okay. How we are able to be together as a body of believers as a result. Okay. Not only does it change our day-to-day, but when we come together as believers, are you guys ready for this? This is so exciting. I'm so Excited for River Rock and where we're going. 1 John 1.3. 1 John 1.3. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may have fellowship with what? With us. Ah. So what now? Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, out of the result of our communion with the Holy Ghost. Now he says what? That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may have fellowship with us. Everybody say, fellowship with us. us. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not sure I want to fellowship with you. (laughs) The husbands are like, I am not saying that to my wife. (laughs) You know, if we get this, we're, we're kind of okay with fellowship with the Holy Ghost, but fellowship with, with them? Um, really? Uh, okay. 1 John 1, 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Okay. Next verse. But, on the other hand, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, watch this, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What am I saying? What's vertical goes horizontal. Out of this comes this, and we see the picture of the cross. Amen? The cross changed everything. But let me ask you, have you ever had a difficult time 
connecting with somebody, and not because you didn't have things in common to connect over, but for some reason, no matter what you do, it just doesn't seem to be possible. You just, you get this from that person, okay? And there, there could be a variety of reasons. I, I understand that. But it might be that either you or the other person is not walking in the light, that they are not practicing the truth, and as a result, you may know them on a surface level, but you may not have, be able to have fellowship with them even though you have relationship. So think about that for a second. You, you know them. You, you know about them. You have a relationship, but you don't really have fellowship. Now, what happens is if that's true on a, quote, seemingly negative format, then the same would be true about positive application. Okay? So when we're living together in communion with the Holy Ghost, what happens then is we begin to have communion with one another. Now, why is this so important? Well, for a variety of reasons, but the number one reason I want to get to, and then I want to turn this back over to Jeremy so we can get back into worship again, is um, when we are, let me give it to you this way. If, if Tracy and I only had a relationship, my wife's name is Tracy, for those of you who don't know, but if, if Tracy and I only had a relationship, she could do the laundry, she could cook, I could go to work and I could do what I do and we could come home and just have relationship. Well, how is that any different from roommates? Right? right? Yeah. But if we're married and we are intimate together, we not only have a relationship, but we have what? Fellowship. fellowship. And that fellowship is what produces fruit in our relationship. Out of that fellowship is where we have children. Do I need to give a lesson here real quick? Okay, we're good? Okay. Listen, without intimacy, without, listen, without intimacy, there's no legacy. Without intimacy, you're not going to be producing something that's going to go long term. You may have a relationship, but do you have fellowship? Do you have communion with the Holy Ghost, or are you so busy being distracted, you're just trying to get him to show up? Man, I, I, he says, I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost because I've got stuff I want to tell you that's so exciting. Once you begin to get it with your understanding, it's going to radically transform your life. I'm going to lead you into all truth. I'm going to even show you things to come. I'm going to save you from the demonic attacks trying to take you out. Listen, I, I'm sure, like many of us, John, you know, looking over at you and seeing you and Mr. International Traveler guy, you know, John Essie. Did you guys love his message the other day when he was here at, at River? Amen. Thank you, John. How many times the enemy has tried to take you out and you didn't even know, let alone the times that you have known, whether it's through sickness or accidents or, you know, whatever it is, you know, people who have, uh, you know, accused you and align, misaligned you, uh, man, I tell you, uh, maligned you, rather, is what I'm trying to say. All of these things can be weapons formed against us, but God says they won't prosper. Amen. Amen. You're protected. You're blessed. You're so blessed that you can't be stressed. You know what else? You can't curse what's been blessed. 
God says, I paid the price for the curse. I just need you to enter into now what's already been given. Now watch. Why is this communion with each other so important? And before I answer that this morning, I want to just publicly say it's one of the things that Tracy and I love about River Rock Church. It's a family church. When we walked in here the first time, however many years ago, it's been now, I think, two, three years ago, it was like we instantly felt at home. It was like, this, this, is, this is our church. These are our people. This is where we belong. And not only is it a family-oriented church where it's not just all about uh, the leader and the vision of the leader, but our leader is all about fulfilling what's in your heart. He's here to equip us to do what God has called us to do. That's a major difference from a lot of places. Amen? And then I just love the fact that we are so international. There's people coming from all over the world that are part of River Rock Church. we got nations represented as well as generations right here at River Rock Church in Colorado Springs. And watch what God does in 2022 as this place begins to explode. What's the key? Well, Jesus told us, but again, we kind of missed it. But I'm telling you, this is the key to seeing great harvest. John 13, 35. And with this, I want to close today. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you what? Have love for one another. Guys, this goes way beyond just relationship. This is joining one another in a way that we are joining our hearts together, we're, we're sharing with each other, uh, and in this place of opening up to the Holy Ghost and allowing that communion of the Holy Ghost, that interchange, that uh, intimacy to happen between us and the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God and us, we are going to start doing the same thing with one another. We're going to open up. We're not going to be the phony, plastic, hi, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Just count it all joy. You're like, shut up. Right? I mean, guys, one of the things I'm hearing all the time from young students, especially at Karis Bible College, is they're telling me, I don't want to just hear about it from the Word of God. I want to see it. I want to experience it, right? Don't just talk to me about healing. Show me what it looks like. It, it Help me, enable me to do the same thing. Well, Jesus said we're going to do the same works that he did, and even greater still, because now they're going to be done all over the world. But uh, we, we don't want to just talk about it. We want to live it from the inside out. We want to help one another as we're seeing our brothers and our sisters in areas of struggle, helping them to be able to come into who they really are in Jesus and saying to them, you know what, I'm not okay with that. The devil attacking you is attacking me, right? That disease and that sickness trying to take you out, it's like it's trying to take me out. And I'm not okay with you being sick. I'm not okay with you being broken and, and depressed and, you know, as opposed to, you know what, I got, I, I got my own life to live and I got so much going on that, bless you, but I don't really care. No, Jesus said we can cast all of our care on him because he cares for us and we can learn to offload our hearts during this communion with the Holy Ghost. Come on, how many have something you want to tell the Lord today? How many have something you want to hear the Lord say to you 
about things that you've been wondering about. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. And as we do, can we just lift up our hands today and just thank the Lord for his word where he has begun, he has begun a good work and he's beginning to do what he wants to do in our hearts and our lives. Come on, all over this place. Let's just slip up our hands to the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Come on. If you have a prayer language, just begin to release that right now in Jesus' name. Let it out from the inside. So when Daniel was talking about workmanship, that you were his workmanship, this vision I don't want to share with you. Jesus gave me this vision of a white canvas, your heart. And it's white because he has washed it and cleansed you. You have received his gift of righteousness. And as he begins to paint on the canvas of your heart, he begins with the background. The background represents the past. And he brushes it with his word. And he takes away the past hurts, wounds, the fears, and mistrust. He continues to work on the background, removing the weights, the unbelief. He continues with each brush stroke. He keeps saying, I love you. I love you. Wiping away all shame and condemnation. At times, the brush strokes are uncomfortable, but he assures you it will be all right. After he's done with the background, he starts with precision and accuracy. With great definition, he paints his plan, his purpose. He paints giftings and blessings, and he continues until he is finished, and he smiles. He smiles, and then he signs his name on the masterpiece. He has just created. You are now his finished work. He has become your source and your total dependency on his finished work. You become a son, a daughter, one who has taken out his word and applied it to your heart. You bless others as his anointing flows through you to others. The finished work of Jesus Christ. Good morning. So as the first song rolled out from Daniel's message, I was just, man, I, I got to my knees because it was talking about the communion of the Father and with the Holy Spirit and how we have that ability to commune with him. And as I was just delighting myself this whole week with him and even after Daniel's message about how we get to have relationship, relationship with the God, the creator, of the king of glory. Man, it's awesome. And as I was just on my knees, I hear the father say, I am so excited. I'm so excited that you finally have chosen to, to delight yourself in me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited too. <laughs> I'm out of religion, <laughs> out of performance. <laughs> And so I just felt like the Father said, I want you to go do that to my con congregation. So guys, close your eyes for a second. 
close your eyes, and I just pray over everyone that you would be able to encounter him right now in the, in the glory realm. Close your eyes. Picture the Father in front of you, and I want to hear, I want you to see him tell you, I am so excited. I'm so excited to know you, to have conversation with you, and to be there with you and commune with you. What's your response, church? What's your response? Throw it all away. All expectations, everything, everything you've done wrong, even five seconds ago, and submit your will to him. Just breathe him in, experience him, and let him know, just, man, show me how much you love me. Amen. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 says that the love of God has been, Somebody say has been. Already been poured out into our hearts. And I feel like as we were singing that the Lord spoke to me and said there's some here that you've been so focused on your problems, on your healing, your financial needs met, that that's what you've magnified. And I feel like the Father is saying that we need to focus on his love. How much he loves you. And it's, and it's not, well, when, when am I going to get my healing? When am I going to get my needs met? It's not when, it's who. Who the Father is. He loves us. Faith worketh by love, just like Brother Daniel said. Amen. So when we focus on God's love more than our problems, I, that is when we can get to the point where we can receive what he has for us. Amen.